All right, welcome to Christian Life Broadcast, the ministry of Christian Life Center right here in beautiful Palm Coast, Florida. My name is Pastor Joe Campatella. I'm blessed to pastor this amazing church, 5200 Beltair Parkway. And uh, we here at Christian Life Center can testify that the Christian life is the best life. And it's our goal with this broadcast to help you go to the next level, living your walk with God, living the Bible. And today is our first episode. It's our pilot episode of Christian Life Broadcast. And and uh, this is something that's been in the works for a long time. We've been talking about it, planning for it, praying over it, fasting over it, getting counsel for it. And uh, it's finally underway. And so we're so excited about that. We have our two uh, engineers in studio right now, and they are making sure that I um, follow the guidelines technically our administrative pastor, Pastor Alex Quinones, is here, and he's just our amazing tech guru. And then Brother Joe Salamita is here as well, and uh, he's our sound engineer and just among other things. We're so blessed God has helped us do this. And today for our first broadcast, we want to talk about what makes us different. What makes us different? Here in Palm Coast, uh, just Palm Coast alone, there's about 100,000 people. There's over 40 churches. You drive down Beltaire, you can go to churches of your choice. You drive down 100 Palm Coast Parkway, all the major highways in Palm Coast, Florida. There's bunches of churches. And then in Flagler County, um, there's, there's even more. And so what, what makes Christian Life Center different? And I, I do want to tell you, we do not want to hide our difference. Our difference is what makes the difference. Uh, when you step into a service at Christian Life Center, you are going to know immediately this church is different. It feels different. It sounds different. The expression is different. The worship is different. And um, and so we're different. And I, I want to talk about that. I, I do also want to say we've had a phenomenal week here at Christian Life Center. One of the highlights for us is we just had a miracle of healing. A young lady in our church named Yvonne was diagnosed a few weeks ago with lupus. And lupus is a disease that attacks the organs. It's an autoimmune uh, disease and where the body turns against itself. And she was diagnosed officially from the doctors, you have lupus, and they begin to talk to her about how her life is going to change. It's a, it's a very debilitating disease. And so she came in and cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ. We prayed over her in Jesus' name. God gave her a word that she was going to be just fine. And the doctors called her back in to do some more testing, and they began to apologize to her after the second test, saying, we misdiagnosed you. We are so sorry for alarming you. All the markers that were in the first test do not exist in the second test. Turns out you do not have lupus, but we do not believe it was a misdiagnosis. We believe it was a miracle. Jesus Christ is doing miracles at Christian Life Center. We're so excited. The Christian life is the greatest life you can live. And today, one of the foundational things that makes us different is that we believe baptism is essential for salvation. We do not believe baptism is optional. Now, that sets us apart as a church. Most of the churches you will go to in Christian tradition and Christian denominations, they will tell you that baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision. Baptism is a public declaration of a private uh, salvation. 
Unfortunately, none of that is in Scripture. What is in Scripture is that we are literally commanded to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so we're going to get into that. And if you've never heard that before, just stick with us. Uh, We're going to have some scriptures for you to study and think about and pray over. And uh, I believe that we should not impose our Christian ideas onto the Bible, but we should use the Bible as a foundation and as a guide for our Christian life. And so let's get into it. Let's get into it. So first of all, why, why baptism? What's the big deal about water with God? God's got water on his brain. And um, specifically in the very beginning of time, you see that Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God, moved upon the face of the waters. So in the very second verse of the Bible, you have God moving on waters. And and this is important because truly the supernatural things of God are beyond human comprehension. We do not have the intellectual tools to understand God unless God reveals himself to us. And so God uses physical things as patterns to bridge the gap between the supernatural and human understanding. He uses patterns. There's a great scripture in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 5, and it says, uh, it's talking about the the Old Testament and the law and the rituals, and verse 5 sums it up, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. These things that were physical serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, meaning God, that thou make all things according to the pattern. All the physical stuff you're doing, Moses, has to be according to to the pattern showed you in the mount. Why does it have to be toward, uh, according to the pattern? Because it's the pattern that bridges the gap from the heavens to the earth. Patterns are powerful tools that God uses to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. And so in the very beginning, we see that the spirit of God moved upon the face of of the waters. Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, this is important to understand. We are basically in water all the time. The earth is about 71% water. And so we are surrounded by water. The atmosphere has 37.5 million billion gallons of water at any time. That's enough water to cover the entire earth with an inch of water. Our bodies, on average, are 60% water. We are more water than we are anything else. And so there's water all the time, everywhere. And, And in the beginning, again, God moved upon the face of the waters. And so the first precedent God is establishing is that all new creation in Genesis chapter one will come out of the water. Because it was after God's moved upon the face of the waters that God said, let there be light. So God's interacting with water. And the next verse is new creation. 
This is not the only place. Again, this is the pattern that God is establishing. Genesis 7 and 17, we know about Noah's flood. Genesis 6 through 9 tells us about the, the flood that came in. And it said, the flood was 40 days upon the earth and the waters increased and bare up the ark and it was lift up above the earth. Water covered the entire planet once again, not just at the first creation, but at the restoration. Water covered the entire earth. And what happened after water covered the earth? God brought forth the new creation. He started all over again. And then again, when you look According to the pattern, 1 Corinthians 10 and 1, the Apostle Paul takes us back to this physical pattern in the Old Testament. He said, moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Watch. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. God saw the cloud and saw the Red Sea as the baptism of Israel. It was a pattern. And and so this is carried on throughout Scripture. And when you look in the Levitical law, they would baptize or, or wash the priests. They would baptize the spoils of war that were taken in warfare, take them through the water, and it says, and through the fire. And that'll be an, another lesson we talk about. So this pattern of God taking things through water and beginning his creation with water is established in the Old Testament and in referenced in the New Testament. And so now, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, the apostle Peter is talking about this time of Noah. And he talked about how Noah preached. And he talked about the people in verse 20 in particular. He says, which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, were in few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Saved by water. Next verse, the like figure or pattern, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Baptism saves you. So, What's the point of all this? What, why is there opposition to this? There is an idea in mainstream Christianity, and this is what makes Christian Life Center different. There's an idea in mainstream Christianity that says, you just have to believe we are not saved by works. Baptism is a work, and, and we're not saved by works. I've heard the saying, we're saved by faith alone. I'm sorry, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The problem with that is it's incorrect scripturally. Now, the Bible does talk about believing unto salvation. It talks about in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth, and you shall be saved. And it's great if that's the only scripture you read for salvation. If that's the only scripture that existed for salvation, you're good to go. Just believe and confess. Unfortunately for people who have that tradition, it's not the only scripture. It's just the first step. There are more steps to salvation than just believing. And so when we look at the New Testament, let's look at the places that talk about baptism. When you go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, 
Jesus is leaving the earth and he said, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So as the disciples go forth, as the preachers, if you will, go forth, as disciple makers go forth, he said, make sure you baptize them. It doesn't sound optional there to me. Everybody is supposed to be baptized. Who's getting baptized? All nations. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. And so he's saying, I want you to baptize everybody. That's Matthew's version of the Great Commission. Let's go to Mark's version of the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth, first step, and is baptized, second step, shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And so, Mark's version of the Great Commission recalls Jesus saying, everybody needs to get baptized. Let's go to Luke's version of baptism or of the Great Commission, rather. Luke chapter 24. Jesus is leaving the earth. And verse 46, and he said unto them, thus it is written, thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to raise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now, interestingly, Luke does not record Jesus mentioning the words baptism here. Matthew recorded baptism. Mark recorded baptism. But Luke's recorded Jesus saying this incredible phrase, repentance and remission of sins should be preached beginning at Jerusalem. So now when you go to the place where repentance and remission of sins was preached in Jerusalem, this is Acts chapter 2. Peter is now, after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, Peter is now preaching the first message ever preached by an apostle to the people. And he told them, look, you guys crucified Jesus. You you murdered your Messiah. You made a big mistake. This was the stone which the builders had refused. He's become the headstone of the corner. This is the very one you've been waiting for, and you took him out. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when they heard this, that they crucified their Messiah, their salvation, their hope, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Watch this, Acts chapter 2. Verse 38, then Peter said unto them, remember Luke's recording of Jesus Christ, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Doesn't sound optional to me. Doesn't sound like a public declaration of a private event between you and Jesus you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. This wording is very important because most churches will teach you baptism as a public declaration of a private decision. So that would be saying that being baptized is because of the remission of sins. But the Bible says the exact opposite. It doesn't say you get baptized because of your salvation. 
You have to get baptized for your salvation, for the remission of sins. What is the remission of sins? That's a weird kind of terminology. What is remission of sins? In a single word, justification. Justification is God taking away your sins and making you innocent by the blood of Jesus Christ. That moment means you're saved. When you are justified, you're saved. Your sins are no longer a debt to be paid. They just got paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Peter told us, do, you're not getting baptized because it's an outward declaration of a salvation. You're getting baptized for salvation, for salvation. And I, I want us to look at this. I want us to look at every place baptism is recorded in, in Scripture. Let's go, to, let's go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Um, one of the deacons that was chosen by the apostles through the leading of the Spirit um, was Philip, and Stephen was also chosen. And Philip and Stephen were mightily used by God. Philip went down to Samaria. The Bible says he preached Christ unto them. And, and the whole city, this is Acts chapter 8, um, you can see where the Bible says the whole city uh, verse six, the people with one accord, everybody was unified, gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Unclean spirits are coming out. And, and verse 12 said, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, when they believed, first step, it says they were baptized. They were baptized, second step. Of course, believing is the first step to salvation. But being baptized is the next step that must be completed for salvation. And so let's go to Acts chapter 10. Baptism is recorded. It's very interesting. Um, Peter is preaching here. He's preaching to a bunch of Italians. I think it's very important to know that salvation went to Jews first and then to Italians. I'm half Italian. That was a little <clears throat> plug for go Italians. <clears throat> but so Peter's preaching this message. He's preaching to a centurion. Um, he's preaching to someone that is an occupier of Jerusalem, an oppressor of the people of Israel. And God said, Peter, it's not just for the Jews. Go to the Gentiles. And Peter's like, Lord, I've never been in a Gentile home. I've never eaten anything unclean. You can read Acts chapter 10. It's an astounding chapter of how God is saying this is for everybody. And so Peter finally goes, he takes a bunch of Jews with him for backup, I guess. And Peter begins to preach, Acts 10, 34. He preaches all the way and he talks about Jesus is the Messiah. The blood of Jesus is shed. He, he died, he was buried. He rose again the third day, verse 40. And, and, and the Bible says in verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. This is Christian Life Center, man. When we're preaching the word, the Holy Ghost falls. And they of the circumcision, which means the Jews which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know they got the Holy Ghost? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, watch, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost? as well as we, just like we have. And let's see what Peter said. And he told them, it's time 
for an outward expression of your inward salvation, if you want to, if you feel it. I think you see it on the screen there. That word is a pretty strong word. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. The Greek says the name of the Lord Jesus. It's not an option because all new creation comes through the water. Why do we, what's the deal with water, Jesus, for going to a place we call heaven and spending eternity? I got to go in the water. We have a baptismal tank here in Christian Life Center. It's like a hot tub. It's got jets. It's heated up to a balmy 95 degrees or whatever. When you get in, take off your dry clothes, put on the robe, get baptized in Jesus. What is the deal with getting wet? And now you're going to spend salvation. in eternity. What is the, it's a pattern. It's a pattern. And if you obey the pattern, you bridge the gap between heaven and earth. If you obey the pattern, God releases for you what the pattern represents. Now, I tell you, this is not a neutral topic. This is a pretty aggressive topic for people that say, just believe everything else is works. We're not saved by works. And, and of course, there, the... The Bible teaches we are not saved by works, a certain kind of works. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2. And this is where people get the, the quotation. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. I want you to notice that phrase, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I want you to notice the dividing line in these scriptures. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. On one side, you have grace, faith, gift of God. On the other side, you have not of yourselves, not of works. There are no works that you can come up with that will cause God to save you. But there are works that God commands that will release God's salvation to you. That is the vitally important thing we have to understand. I want you to notice something. James chapter two, verse 21. Watch this, <clears throat> or two, verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Not works you choose, because it's not of yourself. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how much money you give to the poor. doesn't matter how much Chick-fil-A bags you give to people holding signs on Beltaire Parkway and Palm Coast Parkway. You cannot work your way into heaven. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Watch. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? What is justified? Justified means made innocent. It means saved. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Now, did Abraham come up with the idea 
to offer Isaac on that altar? Or was it something God commanded him to do? Well, we know the story. Abraham didn't just say one day, you know what? I think I'll work my way into heaven today. And I'm just going to, Isaac, come on, buddy. It's time to die so we can all go to heaven. No, God said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, with you up to Mount Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering unto me. And so, Verse 23, James 2, 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God. How did he believe God? He acted on the commandment that God gave him. It wasn't just, I believe God, I'm good to go. Okay, I believe God. Another place, God said, okay, I know you believe, but if you don't get circumcised, you're circumcised, you're cursed. I'll cut you off out of my covenant. You have not obeyed my covenant. So, there's no such thing as faith without works. There is such a thing as faith, faith without works that man has made. There is no such thing as faith without works as commandments God has given us. God gave Abraham the commandment, offer your son. What does it say? And the scripture, verse 23, the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Watch this. Here we go. Here's what makes us different at Christian Life Center. For you see then how that by works, a man is justified and not by faith only. That saying, we're saved by faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that is a deceptive saying. We are saved by faith that produces action in obedience to the works God has commanded. And one of those works, as recorded in Matthew 28, 19, as recorded in Mark 16, as recorded in Acts 2, 38, as recorded in Acts 10, is be baptized. If you believe, you must be baptized Mark 16 and 15, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Hear me, I'm not hiding this. This is explicit. You must be baptized if you want to go to heaven. Now, this is interesting because Abraham was commanded by God to offer his son Isaac we are commanded by God to be baptized. I want you to see this. This is, this is something God showed me recently. <clears throat> so Abraham was commanded to offer a son. Now the question is, that's a pretty, pretty brutal thing to do. Offer your son as a burnt sacrifice. And, but when you look at the full story, Abraham's son was never offered. It was a template. It was a pattern for what would be. God wanted to show Abraham what he was going to feel like when he offered his only begotten son. I want you to know me, Abraham. And so I want you to take your son. I'm not going to give you the full story, but I want you to go feel the gut-wrenching pain, that, that nauseation you're feeling. Oh my God, I'm about to make the biggest sacrifice of it. I'm going to offer this boy that I've been waiting on for 25 years to be born. Now I'm going to offer him as a burnt sacrifice, but because you have commanded, I will obey. When Abraham takes him up there and he's got the knife and Isaac, you know, he's a thinking little kid and he's looking at the knife and he's looking at the, the sticks and he's like, uh, pops, 
um, I see the wood and, uh, uh, you know, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham prophesied, my son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. He prophesied what was going to happen. So even though Abraham obeyed this pattern, he was not the one that had to fulfill the pattern. And so when you get baptized, it is a pattern for what Colossians 2 and 12 says, we are buried with him in baptism. This is a mirror image of Abraham's obedience to God. You're buried with him in baptism. Guess what the good news is? You don't have to really get buried. Guess what the good news is? You don't really have to be crucified. Jesus was really crucified with blood and tears and the ripping of his back and the nails in his hands. Jesus had that. We don't have to do that. But when we go down in the water, it is a pattern for what he really did. When you get in the water, you get buried with him in baptism. And because you do your part, Jesus does his part, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Put that scripture up there, that who hath raised him from the dead. So when you do your part, Jesus does his part. And so baptism is not optional. The only way you can make baptism optional is if you just take the scripture, Romans 10 and 9, or, or, or 1 John 1 and 9, we confess and God forgives us and that's all I'm gonna see about it. That's all I'm ever gonna, Ephesians, Paul told us, by, by grace you're saved through faith. That's it, I'm not saying, it's just faith, there's no works. That is incorrect. James, who wrote this book about 25 years after the church was born, must have seen the doctrine that was creeping into the church and he addressed it. He said, hey, vain man, hey, hey, empty. You know what vanity is? It's emptiness. It's pointless to just say, I believe Jesus. Okay, now I can go live however I want and, and just do whatever. I'm saved. I'm thank God I'm saved. There's no deliverance. There's no salvation. There's no addiction breaking, chain breaking power that comes into your life. That is absolute tradition of men being imposed on scripture. The only way to live the fullness of the Christian life is to take scripture and line up your life with the pattern of scripture. James said, see then, I'm gonna go back to it as our final verse. James said, in James 2, 24, you see then how that by works, a man is justified and not by faith only. Not of works that we can boast of, but of works that God has commanded. God has commanded. What makes us different at Christian Life Center? We preach the Bible's version of baptism. Baptism is not optional for salvation. Baptism is essential for salvation. When you study John chapter three, verses one through five, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and he said in verse three, he said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's that new creature, right? New creation. Nicodemus is thinking logically. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Then Jesus explained what he meant. Jesus answered, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. There's the pattern. Genesis chapter one, verse two, the flood. 
Israel going through the Red Sea and going through the cloud, all new creation comes out of water, except a man be born of water and of the spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And here we have the greatest parallel. I think everybody on the earth, unless I'm terribly mistaken, was born from a mother. I think everybody watching this, you probably have a mommy somewhere. Uh, whether you know her or not, you, you were born from your mother. And guess what you were born out of? Water. You, this new little baby, I was a very fat baby, 10 pounds, 11 ounces, 22 inches long. I was a monster. I was so fat, my eyes were just hidden behind folds of flat fat. And, but you came, I came out of the water. You came out of the water. What's that? That's that pattern again. All new creatures come out of the water. And that's the first birth. But Jesus said, there's another water that you got to come out of. It's the waters of baptism. And when you come out of the waters of baptism, you'll also be born of the spirit. And that's the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So finally, in conclusion, baptism is not optional. It's essential. I want to tell you something. Right here on 5200 Beltair Parkway in Palm Coast, Florida, 32137, we got a baptismal tank that stays ready to go. If you want to be baptized, you can be baptized today. Paul said, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. And I want to tell you something. When you get baptized, God will change your life forever. Addictions will be broken. Mindsets will be altered. Lifestyles will be changed. And all the guilt and shame of your past through sin will be taken off of you and cast on to Jesus. And the innocence of Jesus Christ will be cast on to you. You will come out of the water, a new creature in the name of Jesus Christ. We love you. Jesus loves you. We hope and pray that this broadcast encourages you, equips you, and takes your walk with God to the next level. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name and remember the Christian life is the best life. We'll see you soon. 